0: All right. Welcome to the Digital Dudes Podcast. I'm David, and I'm here with two special guests today near Christmas. So in this episode, we're definitely groggy. I feel like we had too much eggnog or something. Uh, But uh, first guest is to my left. Hi, I'm uh, Adam Walters. I'm the director of paid media here at Digital. That's right. New title.
1: New title. I was digital marketing manager on the last podcast, so... Moving up in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Kept a secret for several weeks and then announced at the uh, Digital Retreat, but definitely well-deserved and well-earned. All right. And next guest?
2: Uh, Megan Haas. I am a paid media strategist here at Digital.
0: And Megan's only thinking about how she's about to fly to Mexico for Christmas. So close. (laughs) As I learned that you've done for six years now. Correct. It's awesome. Although you've been there six years and you didn't know if it was East Coast or west Coast, so <laughs>
2: never trust me with a map that's all yeah, that's a real issue.:
0: Yeah, too many margaritas down <laughs> down there. Um, so today we're talking about call tracking. It's been something that anybody that knows me uh, has been a huge thorn on my side for many years adam has kind of taken this this flag and run with it and then uh, grabbed megan to help him along the way so uh we're talking a little bit about the the history as we've seen it uh with call tracking in the apartment industry how i guess i didn't get into enough of how call tracking works i feel like i should have done more education there maybe we'll do that on on another one or two Part two, yeah. Uh, we talk about some of the biggest challenges and why we're looking at possibly uh, why we're looking at other vendors and maybe making a move. Um, and then we get into your guys' wish list a bit, uh, what you what you want out of call tracking. So, just not spoil too much, but to say why why should you keep listening? For the last uh, number of months, we've been testing a AI call tracking vendor. So the AI will listen to the calls, help grade the calls, and put them into buckets that uh, like quality resident or unanswered or sorry current resident quality call unanswered things like that that you guys can then use in google ads and analytics to bid on to help your campaigns yep anything else i missed that we talk about i think that was it
2: adam made a pizza reference he
1: made pizza <laughs> reference for like the fourth podcast in a row
0: yeah that's his easter egg <laughs> good call all right well uh listen on thanks all thanks. Yeah. All right. So here with Adam and Megan, we're going to talk about uh, call tracking in apartments and specifically what you guys are testing right now with a new possible vendor dialogue tech um, or what may become our official vendor. That's why I say possible vendor. But um, for background, I feel like call tracking has been like the bane of my existence for like four or five years. Adam knows this. Yeah. And you've been, thank God, you've almost taken the flag, though, of call tracking. Now I feel like I don't pay attention to it as much. Now it's my problem. (laughs) Yeah, now it's your problem. But um, for, gosh, I guess probably six or eight years, uh, the vendor I've used primarily is CallRail. um, And they're super great. Uh, Most other folks in the industry use them. I know some of the other providers like ILM, ILM. uh, w promote g5 uh anyone home i mean it's like everybody uses call rail mm-hmm. call rail is built on top of another uh, technology like a uh, i don't know if we have to get all into that but basically <laughs> it's built on a technology that makes it really easy to build um uh, over ip stuff and and have uh, you know generate numbers mm-hmm. on demand and it's a secure backbone but the problem is um well there's a lot of problems uh uh call fidelity uh, can not always be the strongest. Um, the, the tech is really easy to use, but doesn't let you get super granular with reporting. Um, and specifically for us, the biggest problem is we want to know what happens on the call. Mm-hmm. So instead of just, um, uh, have it being able to report on the number of calls, we want to be able to report on, uh, different metrics of the call, like how many conversations were quality conversations or not quality conversations. So that's a long setup. Um, in the apartment industry, uh, I've been working in it for f- uh, five or six years, losing count. But I feel like five years ago, people were just starting to move into call tracking on the vendor side and uh, people would be excited, customers would be excited like, oh, you can tell me how many calls came from my search campaign or my social campaign. And now it's more of a, of a given, people just assume that you're gonna be able to do it. Uh, but because people are tracking calls, customers for the longest time, at least the ones I've been talking to, are basically asking how many calls, like, you know, let's get the highest number of calls. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's caused a problem where we've seen you over optimize towards just getting a mass quantity of calls and not necessarily great calls. So a good way that a a vendor could pad their numbers would be to bid on only branded advertising. So people that know your name, you're going to get a lot of current residents, a lot of vendor calls, um, drives your call volume up. So then um, we're jumping in front of it saying, okay, well, let's not just do the mass number of calls, but we want to send you leads because that's what you care about, uh, frankly, is how many apartments we lease out. That led us down this crazy road. I guess I'll keep ranting yeah. or soapboxing, <laughs> and then I'll pass it to Adam, uh, where we tested every call tracking vendor I can basically think of under the yeah. sun. So there uh, we've tested um, uh, I've talked to Marchex, Invoca, uh, CallCap, cap, um, I know I'm missing like a half dozen. I'm totally blanking. As we were just saying, it's December 18th and it's nine o'clock in the morning, so I'm losing <laughs> losing my train of thought. So, Adam, I'm gonna pass it to you. You came into apartments, I guess, two and a half, you yep. just hit your two year anniversary?
1: Yep, just over two years ago.
0: Okay, so tell me about like your experience of call tracking before and then when you came here and then what the heck you've been trying to do now. Totally, so before
1: coming outside the apartment industry, I've used call tracking in the past. But it was very simple in terms of tracking number of calls. Um, And I'll use my, I feel like I bring up like pizza in every podcast I do. But if you're calling Papa John's, there's only a handful of reasons you're going to call Papa John's. It's to order pizza. It's to check on your pizza. That's about it. Um, But calling an apartment complex, there's not a ton of reasons you would call, but they're all very different. Like a current lead or a quality lead compared to a current resident, compared to a vendor are all three very different calls. And you only really want to optimize towards one of those calls. So I guess getting away from like the volume play and just saying, we just want this number to go up is kind of our next step in terms of just driving it strategy forward and focusing on these quality leads and where do they come from? How much do they cost compared to volume? um, How can we make sure that we let our clients know, hey, you're getting quality calls at these, ti- these days, these times of days. This is when we need to make sure we're answering the phone, so on and so forth.
0: And I guess just for context, if you look at just call, um, well, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this if you, in this industry, most people are thinking, uh, that they need to get near 20 or $22 cost per lead. And a lot of times they get that number because the ILS is they're used to getting X number of leads from the ILSs, mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay, a lead should cost me 22 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever it is. But if you look at it, if you really do the math, uh, most folks are, are, if you can get someone that's come in and take a tour, most of them will close 30 or 35% of them. So, um, if you're saying like, okay, if I get a, if I get a lead, what are the chances I'm going to get them to come in? A lot of people will tell us like, "Oh, if we get a lead, it's fifty percent so uh so what you're saying is, okay, if a lead let's round up so it's easier for me on the math twenty five bucks a lead, yep. and every other lead you get to come in that means fifty dollars for someone to take a tour, and then if you close three every third uh, lead that comes in and takes a tour, that means your cost per sale is one hundred and fifty bucks yep. When you think about it that way, you're like, well, I'm not selling apartments at $150 cost. It's costing me more than that. Mm -hmm. And so that right there should tell you that you're getting, um, that the $22 or $20 is not a real cost per lead. That's a cost per maybe call, but all calls are not leads. And so, um, we need to get in front of that to decide, okay, or to figure out if if it's if it's worth it, if that call was worth it, and not just go after this mass. So I think we're we're hitting that pretty hard. Yep. Um. Yeah, I guess that's my that's my spiel on that spiel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Megan, we've been here six minutes. Why why are you in the room?
2: <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Um, I guess I'll go back to when I first started. I think my first or second week, we were in a call with a different vendor testing. You know, seeing what else we could get out of call tracking. So it's definitely, I didn't have experience with it before I came here. It wasn't um, a big deal for other clients I'd worked with, but um, now it is. <laughs> now it's a big part of my everyday life. Uh, but it's been fun working with Dialog Tech and seeing just how Weedsy and all the information we can get out of call tracking. scoring.
0: Yeah, so maybe go into it a little bit. Um, with CallRail, we get number of calls, call duration, maybe the caller ID, but that's just about it. I mean, you can kind of do some stuff by time of day, but why, um, why have we landed now in a test dialogue tech? And then what are you hoping to get from it? And then I'll pass the same thing over to Adam.
2: Yeah. So I think what we're really hoping to get out of it is we have, we're getting average lead score. um, We're getting sales opportunity, sales opportunity rate, um, a lot of metrics to see where these quality leads are coming from. So the more we can port that into our AdWords campaigns, um, into Google analytics and relate that to all of the ads we have running and, uh, optimize and just get to know the accounts, get to know the different markets. It's huge. Uh, yeah. a ton of data. Um, what was your first question?
0: Well, hang on a second. Let me back up and do history. So when we were first uh, getting into the quality call game, we had everybody in the the industry, in our company, listening to 20% of the calls that came in. Correct. So if we got 1,000 calls, we needed to listen to 200 calls. But we get around 14,000 calls a month. So that's a heck of a lot of calls for us to listen to. And so everyone in the company was having to listen to several hundred calls a month and grade them as far as like quality, non-quality, vendor, unanswered. Uh, resident current resident thank you and maybe other um and then what we tried to play with was then assigning a value so like what is a quality call worth uh, on a score of one to ten or a dollar value or something like that that did not become scalable because uh for one um our turnaround time was we were listening to calls within 48 hours um so that we didn't listen to every call we listened to 20%. And then we were trying to listen to them within 48 hours. So everyone was listening to calls like every other day. Um, but when you, when we grade a call like that, it doesn't then push into AdWords or analytics to where you guys in the campaign management side can start bidding and optimizing towards it. Yep. So it became more of like a, Hey, I listen to these calls and they don't sound good. It sounds like a lot of affordable housing calls. So let's adjust this campaign. So it was more like, I don't know, like ad hoc or something. It
1: was more of like a 30,000 foot view of what's going on and how can we take some big pieces of that and then optimize towards it. But it wasn't very granular in terms of what campaign is driving bad calls, what keyword is driving bad calls, what keyword is driving good calls. What ad. Yeah, what ad. How do we focus on changing our entire strategy as opposed to just like it looks like it's a lot of affordable housing calls. Let's maybe add some negative keywords and change a bad copy and see what happens.
0: Yeah. And so then we experimented with, um, with having like trying to grade every call. We hired some different vendors to grade every call we, uh, but then great. Now we have every call graded. So it's not as that 30,000 foot, but then we still had the problem where it wouldn't push in Mm -hmm. to the, to the bidding systems, analytics or AdWords for you guys to use. And so the reason we landed on, Dialogue tech, after testing many of them, is uh, di- different systems. Is dialogue tech so far has seemed to have the most accurate AI uh, yeah. system. So the AI will listen to the call, transcribe this transcribe the call and then uh, it's trained up on here's what a quality call looks like here's what a vendor call looks like here's what a whatever other call looks like mm-hmm. and then it can grade it in real time and in real time push those goals conversions and conversion values to you guys in either adwords or google ads um, which allows you to actually do something with it yep all right, cool. <laughs> so, my other question, Megan, um, what you're hoping to find out from Dialog Tech. You said a lot of different data that you get from there, Correct. but um, what, what are you hoping, whether it's them or some other system, what is kind of your dream setup when it comes to calls?
2: Mostly just being able to relate it back to our campaigns and getting down to the keyword level. That's just nothing we've been able to look at before. So, we have, you know, a thousand keywords or more in an account, and it's like, okay, what is actually working? And how can we, we get a good general idea from the data that's pulling in currently, but it's not exact. And so it's, I'm just excited to see what is actually true.
0: Yeah. I think um, a good example there would be a lot of times we'll talk long tail keywords Mm -hmm. versus short tail. So you can do short tail and maybe in some markets it would be like one bedroom apartments and maybe you generate a lot of calls from one bedroom apartments um, and maybe the clicks are less expensive in that certain market. Well, is that a good thing? It's less expensive and I got more calls, but where the quality and then same thing on the long tail, maybe, maybe it's actually also the reverse so that we're, we may be finding counterintuitive things. Cause you would think the long tail calls would be higher quality and possibly worth the extra spend if it, if it just happens to be more expensive, sometimes they're less expensive, but it's actually having all the data. So you can actually make the educated decision because right. each market and each properties, we always say a snowflake or at least <laughs> I've been saying a snowflake. And so that makes it um, they should be unique. There's certainly from this massive mm-hmm. data that you guys have from the thousands of campaigns you run now, you should get some learnings out of that. But each campaign still has its own quirks to it in the way that something should be optimized in Atlanta might be different than Charlotte.
1: Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think I like the long tail keywords. They're generally less expensive just because there's less people searching for the longer term your keyword gets or just less people in the auction. So that generally the cost per click is less. But at the same time, if they're searching for something that's seven words long, they're searching for something very specific. So if you don't have that very specific thing they're searching for, you definitely shouldn't have that kind of long tailed keyword in there. Like if it's one bedroom, pet friendly apartments with a pool in Lodo and you don't have a pool or you're not pet friendly or you're not really quite in like downtown Lodo area, Mm -hmm. then you shouldn't be having those keywords in your campaign basically.
0: Right, right. Well, um, a lot of people at this point, you know, 13 minutes in are probably wondering why, like, why the heck? I mean, we talked about wanting to be able to grade every call, but, um, many of them are probably used to spending on something like ILM or some of these other, like anyone home, these other call services. And they're, they're thinking, Hey, I already get my leads graded. So why, why are you guys doing it? And why not? Can't I just save you guys the effort and let you use the ILM feed or the anyone home feed? So I don't know if one of you guys wants to take that on why, like kind yeah, of the why we're totally. doing it too. I think they could
1: give us the feed and it would give us almost similar to what we had with CallRail was another like 30,000 foot view, high level directional of, of where to optimize. But with this, we can, to what Megan said, get way more in the weeds and it's not so much of like, okay, now we have quality porting into Google ads and now we can start optimizing. It's more of one. We can start, excluding current residents from our search campaign. So we're getting away from these current resident calls away from these vendor calls. And when you think about apartment marketing, their budgets are so small that even if 30% of your calls are current residents, or even if it's only 25%, if you're only spending a thousand bucks a month, that's a a huge chunk of that budget going towards just current residents who are going to find your number regardless of whether or not you're doing a paid search ad. So, it's just as much about optimizing towards quality as it is kind of like trimming the fat away from some of these other stuff.
0: Well, I think that what you just said about optimizing towards quality is for me, the biggest differentiator. when you When you look at the ilm reporting or anyone homes reporting or any of those other providers, they're really grading. How did the agent perform? Did the agent ask for you to come in and take a tour? Did the agent answer with the name of the property, that type of thing? And for us, that that's great. We would love for the agent to be great, at, mm-hmm. a great salesperson. But what matters most to us is not how the agent handled the call. It's how the the call that we sent. Yep. So, hey, this was a real lead. Because if we send you, um, if you're a luxury apartment and we send you a Section Eight person, the agent can say the name of the property, you know the get you to try to book a tour on Tuesday or whatever, that's going to look like a great, great score. But for us, it's like, well, it's a luxury apartment. They don't do affordable housing. So that's a bad lead and we shouldn't optimize towards it. So there's a very clear to me, differentiator between the data we need to, to send effective leads versus how they handle it. And I also view that it's kind of like the leading a horse to water. Like, um, we need to send you the best quality stuff and then we there's not much we can do with it beyond that it's up to you guys now to handle the sales and and yeah. uh, and the follow-up on that but we have to send you good stuff yep um and you mentioned unanswered calls so maybe real quick um i think we fired off the buckets but i think we have is it six buckets that we have now
1: yeah let I me mean, pull up all of them for you but it is if i go to my dashboard here. We have current resident, quality lead, unqual- unqualified lead, missed call, another, and then wrong number and vendor call.
0: All right, so that may be more than six. Yeah. I lost track. I can't write that fast. Uh, but I think... Um, yeah, obviously those are different buckets than what you're mm-hmm. getting from the other services. And then uh, you're, you assign, we have different values assigned to quality versus non-quality lead, yep. right? Because there may still be, oh, and then unanswered is important because what we've yep. seen is it's like 60% of calls are unanswered. Yep. So we want to reduce the unanswered rate, but we also, uh, there's sure. only so much we can do there. Yep. So, so then it's like, well, how can we reduce the sort of the, the chaff and get mm-hmm. the diamonds out of here that, uh, for people? And make sure that when they do answer the phone it's quality and then make some assumptions on um the unanswered calls because we shouldn't completely discount the unanswered calls as being zeros yeah they have probably have some value absolutely so and because like david said it's
1: about 50 to 60 percent just depending on time of day property etc um so the way we have it set up is we assign a call val or of value to every type of conversion whether that's a a form fill uh, if you have a tour schedule through knock or something like that we try to assign just a value to it and generally we do a quality call and a form fill is a 10. uh, meaning that if you're filling out a form or we're we've certified it's a quality score this is a 10 out of 10 in terms of lead quality Um, and then we benchmark missed calls off of of all the answered calls that we sent to you what percentage was quality. If it's four out of 10 calls or quality calls, then we assign a value to the missed calls of four. We're never going to do probably above that. I would say right now it's usually about like a three, three or four, depending on the property. Just so one, we don't discount them completely. Um, But two, we also don't want to focus on that either.
0: Yeah. At some point there's probably a relationship between like generally speaking Half the calls now that we send you are quality. So if you missed 50, then we assume we had 25 quality that Mm -hmm. you missed. And we can make some projections there where um, if our customers came to us and said, hey, let's spend more money, then we could say, like, well, could you pick up the phone a little bit more frequently? Mm -hmm. Because then you probably don't need to spend any more money. In fact, you could probably reduce your budget. And then working with the client um, on... How do we work around your uh, the work schedule, that, the staffing schedule that you guys have, or what can we do to work with you so that we don't have to just send a, a slew of, of leads um, to help you pick up the phone and we can sort of dial back so you have less lead fatigue? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, Megan, uh, you've been our case study, like... Uh, yeah. We'll use Google. Um, where, where are we at in this? Like what, uh, is the jury still out? I think you guys are testing 10 accounts. What's left to figure out, uh, to know if, if, they, if this is something that we're going to want to move to, cause it is uh Frank, you know, just uh, transparently, it's far more expensive for us. It costs us about four times what we pay now for call rail. And, um, and it's a cost that we eat, so we don't pass it on to the customer. So why, you know, what else is left to determine if it's worth eating the four X cost?
2: I think a big part of that is now that we have these the I guess the call scoring is porting into GA that's porting into Google Ads and then we're working with our bid strategies to start optimizing towards how these calls are scored so it's really now paying attention to is it working are we seeing a difference is this helping our accounts is this what the client wants to see like what's happening now that we have all this information Um, and I think that's a, a big telling sign I guess of how this is going
0: yeah so uh, first off it was determined can it accurately bucket and it seems that's true we're over 90 percent on accuracy mm-hmm. and next up is uh, hey uh, does this actually make an impact if we bid against them because one of my biggest fears was we didn't have we're not getting a thousand conversions a month right. and so it's hard for algorithms to use like 12 15 20 conversions a month to optimize against right I'm hoping at scale if you guys have this across a hundred accounts a thousand mm-hmm. accounts that, uh, you could that you could share some of those learnings so i know there's some like audience creation stuff that you're yep. interested in doing adam so maybe tease that like what that would look like
1: yeah so basically we just create a list of current residents so we can want exclude them from our current search campaign so that way we're not paying for current resident clicks but we can also once they get to a certain size we can create a lookalike audience for search campaigns based off that current residence so we kind of have a a nice snapshot of what your target demo is. We know how to bid up for them if they're interested in apartments. So we can layer on like, this person matches your your current resident demo and they're interested in renting an apartment right now. Like this is a slam dunk for us in terms of potential click. So we can bid way up for that audience. Um, And I think with just with the limited budgets, I think a lot of this, kind of like you mentioned earlier, it's hard to optimize towards a small number of conversions. But if we can just trim off some of these current resident clicks or vendor clicks or junk calls, junk clicks, and free up that budget for these current re- or for potential leads. I think that'll just help increase that as more. I think it'll just evolve more and more over time as we kind of get going there. And then we can also, going back to the audience creation of like vendors, we could create a a master vendor list of to exclude across every account. Like, hey, we know this is you know, Sherwin Williams calling about Mm -hmm. seeing if they can be your paint supplier or something like that. So we know to just exclude them from, paid search campaigns
0: yeah instead of just excluding like keywords or someone's like email Mm -hmm. address uh because that can't be finite like to tie all the numbers to it and different things like that um i think what's important to note is like all of this we're having to balance because you can do a lot of data append with uh with this and and get all kinds of information on each individual that's calling to help build these lists but we're having to do this in a way that's fair housing compliant and ccpa compliant um, but I think this help. This will help tremendously when we when you do a national campaigns. So if you're targeting relocators that may be moving to a market, mm-hmm. being able to add these uh, other audiences on top uh, yeah. b- based on call outcomes of, of previous times, that's going to be incredibly helpful. Definitely. Cool. Um, do you guys have anything else? Because my la- the only last question I have right now is just uh, biggest challenges with this. Um, so besides biggest challenges, do you guys have any, or you can hit that if you don't have other stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm trying to think about anything else off the top of my head, but nothing too crazy right now. I think, like I said, well, this will be like an ongoing thing. I will say that the, the reporting is super in depth. It's built on Tableau, so we can get super in the weeds and customize kind of a ton of different dimensions. But kind of like we said, we're just really kicking off the optimization piece of this. So that'll be the next big thing for us is, is this improving? Is this working? And then also the bigger picture of everything is that is this increasing our client satisfaction.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just with a client, I haven't told you guys this, yesterday in California and um, showed some of the quick reporting because they are a company that can't staff all of their properties every day. So they ask the on-site team, hey, what days do you want to staff? And really the on-site team is doing it around their own personal schedule, like uh, Fridays are no good for me or Fridays, we get junk or whatever, but it's not worth it. And really it's like Fridays or yoga class and the, the kids soccer game. And that's cool. But, uh, we were able to show the heat map that said, okay, here's when all your calls come in each week. And then here's the uh, quality score of those calls when they come in. So that way you can't, you would no longer have the excuse of like, yeah, we get a lot of calls on Friday, but they're, they're garbage calls. It could be like yep. actually Friday at 11 a.m. You know, you're predominantly quality calls. So let's make sure we have some coverage there somehow.
1: Yeah, I think going to the, the heat mapping time of day thing is big. And then also we can break it down towards like time of month. Generally, like when we were grading every call, we kind of saw end of month, beginning of month. There's a lot of current resident calls about, you know, mm-hmm. rent payments or whatever, move-in mm-hmm. dates, that kind of thing. So hoping we can just prove that out more with some more data. And then if it's like we need to spend more money in between the second and third week of the month, then we can kind of taper off in the first and fourth yeah but yeah
0: megan
2: you hit quite a lot right there uh i think really the only extra thing i was going to add is what you just talked about is the like the sales opportunity heat map and then looking at that comparing it to the missed calls heat map um where they're lagging and that could just be a staffing issue or something like that um and then just comparing that to our campaigns and what we're seeing to make sure they match up
0: yep well uh, as far as timeline for you guys i think you're running this test so it's the fourth quarter of 2019 now we've been working on this for uh two years since adam got here megan you've been heavy into it for you're here a year now
2: Yep. yeah a li- little over you
0: yeah big been a big hell of a project lots of man hours and and uh, you know uh, money spent on it but uh, now we seem closer than ever hence why one reason yeah. we're talking about it but you guys are testing 10 accounts i think through q1 is the plan or through yeah. february uh
1: maybe february possibly through q1 it just kind of depends on what we see we wanted to test it specifically during this period when it is a a slower season so mm-hmm. just not to, to admit it mitigate the risk, but, um, just depending on how it goes, hopefully through February, we'll have some.
0: Right. And if you're testing in the summertime, it may skew the results. Yep. Um, so picked a hard time of year. So if we can show success, yeah, you know, exactly. What to do. Um, cool. So hopefully we'll have more information. We'll get updates from you guys periodically. Um, you know, particularly by, by the end of this test to see what we go and it. will let you guys know if it flops or if it's a success, but, um, I think it's super interesting cause it's a, a gripe I have. So I'm sure someone else gripes about it too, but if not, then this is all for me. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks guys. Yeah, no problem. Thank
1: you. Yeah.